Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. It is exactly 38 days to the start of the Springboard 2015 Roadshow. If you have not as yet experienced the Roadshow, it is something you must see at least once in your lifetime. It's just absolutely amazing gathering thousands of young people committed to becoming better people, advancing the course of personal development, career development and progress in various areas of endeavor. And it's just absolutely amazing to see the hunger for knowledge, the desire to transform themselves and very very much so the the testimonies of people who have been able by virtue of what they've been able to listen to in the past transform their lives onto a new plane this year we'll be showcasing quite a few such examples of people who have been in past editions of springboard who have gone on to do some great things who want to come back as alumni and just showcase what they've done with themselves the theme for next year exploration with integrity my guest tonight has been very much a part of the ratio over the years and the the change in format this year from four main presentations last year we added a breakout session this year we have moved it to a new level there is one presentation and two big workshops working step by step to achieve progress in four main areas based on feedback and our own research we've seen that the four need areas for our participants business plan writing cv and uh, cover letter writing the third one is project proposal writing and the fourth one is investment planning and so there will be two workshops per city in the main event two workshops and then one will climax with one main one main talk or presentation so that's a different format for this year and the intention is to put in your hands tools that would enable you achieve that dream without any excuse whatsoever that's why you must be at springboard 2015 the theme exploration what is exploration all about? Very, very simple. You explore, you discover, you activate, and you consolidate. And you do all that with integrity, a very important word. You'll find out why it is so important in a few minutes. Why is that word so important? You will find out as you begin to synthesize the thoughts of our various leaders who have been here over the past 15 weeks. And that brings me to my weekly poll for today. Um, the 22nd of December so we began the series Leaders Digest on the 7th September and so far we've had 15 stimulating interviews with various business leaders Christiana Krambudi was here the first time followed by Seth Yabua Okran George Ufusuini of Bond Financial Kelly Gajek was here Enterprise um, Insurance Group Ken Ashibi of Graphic Communications, Angela Dramna Bwaji was here, Frank Oponyeboa was here, Lucy Chris of Etel was here as well, the CEO of Stanchat, Kweku Beduado was here, Ipileng Selele from South Africa was here, Patience Achenu, CEO of Barclays was here, Ace Ankuma, Legal Practitioner, Ellen Hagan of Lenny Services, Joel Nete of Innova DDB, and then Atuisian, the founder of First Capital Plus. All these leaders came through and the simple idea was to share with us their values and the principles that govern their lives. Distilling that out of their life experiences and finding out what drives the choices and decisions that they make. If you've been listening for the past 15 weeks, you like me may have some particular edition in the series that you enjoyed or something that you learned that was so compelling for you. Do me a favor, send it to me via Facebook or SMS. Just post it on my Facebook wall 
or springboard your virtual university just post it on facebook or you can also share it with us by sms 1422 across networks we'd like the whole world to know which particular lesson you've picked up from this series you may have listened live or you may have listened via soundcloud and just by the way if you want to know where to find all the series on soundcloud just go to soundcloud.com slash legacy dash legacy and you will find every single one of the 15 editions posted there just when, while you are working just listen to them in the background it's just so refreshing and you will enjoy it this week so send us what which which thought which idea which concept has really really pushed you via facebook whatsapp or sms the whatsapp number zero two four Four three four zero four three seven. Now on the SMS Academy is day number twenty one of our thirty one day journey on talent and world creation. And this is the business end of things. We are talking about how to take your talent onto the global stage. The first half was about how to discover and then we moved on to how to deploy. Now you are moving on to how to take the talent to the global stage. So the message for today is have a global perspective. There's there's nothing like the Ghanaian the Ghanaian standard. Have a global perspective. The size of your dream informs the level of your preparation, which in turn determines the level of your impact. The size of your dream determines the the level of your preparation, which in turn determines the level of your impact. Take advantage of technology by signing up to the SMS Academy. To do that, just text the word Springboard to short code 1984 if you are on MTN or Airtel or 1985 if you are on Vodafone or Tigo. And that brings you straight onto the SMS Academy. On our main menu for tonight, I have one of my favorite guests on the show and we're going to review the key lessons and observations from the 15 interviews we've put together a summary of what they said, what they thought, what are the common themes and my guest for tonight Dr. Isiasa, she's a lecturer as well as an HR practitioner and a social activist among others <laughs> this is a new one I'm adding our simple task is to put together what are the common principles and values that undergird the lives of our guests for the past 15 weeks. As you listen to AC, if you have your own thoughts, just let me know. I'm wondering whether this can qualify as an academic exercise, if the, the, the lessons and the percentages we draw down can be cited in somebody's thesis as research findings from a study done in Ghana. AC, welcome to Spring. Thanks good a lot, Albert. Always good to see you. Mm, same here. So, what do you think of the idea of interviewing 15 leaders, and not just about their business and their life stories, but very importantly about their values <coughs> and the engine that drives their choices? Mm, I think it's great. You know, when I was looking through, it had me think of Jim Collins and his book, Good to Great. A lot of people have read that, and um, that's what he did, just going around poking poking around, you know, different companies and how do you do what you do, etc. And then picking up the lessons and seeing the, the patterns and the trends in there. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're, we're looking at the common themes that run through all of them. And once you do that, it gives you a good sense of what the game changers are. And I think that's key. For me, it's been a very instructive experience because I, I get to sit across, look in their eyes, mm. look at their reaction to mm, questions, mm, mm, mm. and see the level of animation when they talk about some things, the turning points, mm -hmm. adversity. Mm -hmm. And I must say, there's, there's been some very interesting themes, and beginning to string together the commonalities has been very, very insightful. Mm, and we'll begin mm. to run some of them by you and find out should we be surprised, mm. and what do they mean?
16 minutes past uh, of 7 o'clock. This is Springboard of Virtual University. It's the wrap-up edition of Leaders Digest. And my guest, Dr. Isias, are helping me synthesize the thoughts of 15 leaders who have come to the series over the past four months or so. The first observation, the key question, I mean the key question, the, the, the centerpiece question of this whole series is about the three pillars, the three core values that undergird their lives. In my days at um, the Ministry of Mobilization and Social Warfare, being my national service sometime mm-hmm. in the year 1990 or so, I recall that there was a, a, a three-legged stool that had one leg broken. and. Mm-hmm. It was in the, in, in the office because there was only one maintenance department that was allowed to take out broken furniture. But the, the stool was in the office, but it was broken. One, one leg was broken. And you know when one leg is broken, it's done. It's, it will break or you will fall. Mm-hmm. And so if anybody went towards that stool to sit down, everybody would say, hey, watch, 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 watch. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it remained in the office for quite a while. It was quite <laughs> dangerous. And, and <laughs> but the, the, the lesson is simply this, that for a three-legged stool, you take one out and, 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 and it's non-functional. So we sought to find out the three intricate, critical values that undergird their lives. And it's interesting, the, the, the biggest vote went to integrity. Seven out of 15 voted integrity as one of their core values, and four of them cited integrity as an underpinning principle. So in essence, 11 of the leaders pointed to integrity as one of the key requirements that you all need for success as a leader. Does it come as, as a surprise to you, Dr. Anson? Um, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, I think for me, integrity is the fuel that will keep you going. Um, it's the fuel that will give you courage to do things, um, to do things that a good manager or a good leader would do without fearing anything. Um, it'll give you the the guts to take tough decisions, survive, um, and it gives you credibility, you know, so that at the end of the day, when people look at you and um, they see consistency in, in what you say, what you do, etc., what you profess, um, it, it adds to your credibility and um, that good name, and I know um, some of them refer to that, that good name is better than anything else. Is that important? Yes, that that, that that point came up very strongly. I think the very first interview with Chrissy Budu, he mentioned the mm. fact that he thinks that a good name is better than riches, riches. and and it, it kept running through as a theme. But does this uh, research that we cited earlier on that involved an interview of hundreds of CEOs, including the big ones? I mean, mm. Jack Walsh, I mean Warren Buffett, mm. and in choosing one of the most important attributes they would look for. Mm-hmm. In hiring somebody or promoting somebody, mm-hmm. guess what? The number one was integrity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, while we think that technical competence and big degrees is the first choice, the first choice was actually integrity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised? No, not at all. I think it's um, it's the most critical, but the toughest to measure. Right. You know, it's critical because once you have it, it lays the foundation. Business is built on trust. Business is built on you know. Um, trusting that the other person will deliver whatever, whenever, however. And so the, the trust forms the basis, the foundation, and that's where integrity comes in, you know. I've seen another research by the Center for Creative Leadership that was done in 2012. And mm. the, theme of that, 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 the theme of that research is the irony of integrity. And I'm going to read from that report. It says, mm-hmm. we found a positive relationship between direct report ratings of each character's strength 
and the board member ratings of performance. And this is the part I like. He says, when examined separately, the more integrity, bravery, perspective, and social intelligence leaders have, the higher their performance ratings. That means that a leader doesn't, that doesn't have integrity is not seen as anybody serious mm-hmm. by your colleagues and by mm-hmm. your subordinates. Yes, it's hard to follow you. It's hard for us to trust you. It's hard for you to make an impact in our lives. It's just hard for anybody around you to trust you. And so um, I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised at all. Against the backdrop of the kind of society in which we live, with the press for people wanting to get results very fast, wanting to... I mean, I was in an interaction with a couple of business leaders um, last week, and talking to them individually, their biggest concern was that people want to get to the destination at the inception of the journey with mm-hmm. one step instead of mm-hmm. probably maybe 10 mm-hmm. steps, 20 steps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. seemed to be a, a bit of a worry that many people beginning the journey look at the end product and want to have it overnight. Mm-hmm. And when that doesn't happen, then they bend the rules in order to get it. Should mm-hmm. we... Mm-hmm. It's something we should worry about. For me as a recruiter, there are some people who've come my way and um, as we've you know, as we've gone through the interview, you realize there are contradictions, etc. And they've um, bent the truth, they've embellished the truth, they are not who they say they are. And once we see that, no matter how technically competent you are, you are out. You know, so it's something that I do see happening, um, especially with young people. And sometimes I think it's also the media exposure, where you have, um, they see success. You know, very quickly, very readily, very easily. And it seems so easy to grasp, especially when they see young CEOs, young people who've made it one way or the other. Then they think, wow, if they've made it, then I also can, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. But then they never really dig deep to see the hoops and the, the, the hurdles that the person had to go through. They're working and they see between them and their boss there's really it's a small organization it's very flat so I don't see why in two years they shouldn't rise to level of you know the sea level um, folks they found in there without wanting to learn and start from the bottom that's a problem now one of the things we tried to do in this series was to showcase the beginnings so that people understand mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. while the end looks beautiful <coughs> there was a beginning and mm-hmm. without going all out to do so, it ended up pointing to the issue of adversity. Mm. And it was mm. interesting to note that some of the leaders that you brought in have gone through some very trying moments. Mm. Some of them lost their parents very mm. early. Mm. Some of them had to sell things in the market. Some mm-hmm. of them had to look after their siblings at a young age. Mm. And so they, they chronicled a journey that brought them to where they are. So that in case you think you can jump there or ask me Christian say, you can claim it. <laughs> this was a wake-up call that mm-hmm. is not the kind of thing you just want to mm-hmm. claim. You want to mm-hmm. work step mm-hmm. by step mm-hmm. by step. Mm-hmm. Let me bring in my colleague here at JFM Manasseh Azuya Winnie, a man who who needs no introduction and, and, and because of the subject of integrity I think I'll, I, I will benefit from Manasseh's presence in this one. Manasseh, welcome back from your, 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 your travels. Thank you very much Albert. How are you sir? By God's grace I'm doing well. Fantastic. I, I would be grateful for your perspective. We are, we are reviewing 15 weeks of interviews with top CEOs about their values and we are pleasantly surprised to find out that integrity rates number one which confirms a research done in America and a, 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 a couple of other researches that we've observed that see the, the most successful leaders rank integrity as their number one value what does it say to somebody like you who 
has championed um, anti-corruption crusades as well as, I mean, investigative reporting and so on. What does it say to you? Well, I am not surprised because integrity is everything. As a journalist, if I lose my integrity, then I don't have a job. If I lose my integrity, then I shouldn't be doing journalism. So sometimes there are people who speak on radio, and I get surprised the kind of courage they still get to go on air because I believe integrity is everything. If tomorrow, for instance, I bring a story about corruption, and someone can sit somewhere and point that, oh, Manasseh is also very corrupt. He took this money from this uh, CEO and killed the story. No matter how interesting the story is, if that person is able to provide evidence, mm. I may have my facts and everything right, but no one will pay any seriousness mm -hmm. or attach any importance to what I'm saying just because I have lost the integrity myself. So I believe integrity is everything, but the difficulty <clears throat> or the problem is that we are not used to it. Because I, this week, I shared a picture, somebody, I saw a picture on, uh, of Ashes University that a student was given, she missed an exam and she was given an opportunity to uh, take the paper all alone. The professor was not supervising her, she was alone doing it. That's could. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I shared it and said it's awesome. And some people came, no, 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 no. It doesn't make sense. How on earth can you leave a student on her own to write an exam and they think it is just not possible to leave a student who would do the work and not copy. Where did we lose the plot, in your opinion? Where, do, where, where, where did we lose it? Why, why has it become so possible for somebody to brazenly lie on radio, on television, and okay? I mean, I think the um, our biggest problem we, uh, in this country is that we tend so much to glorify the the end and not the means to the end. Mm. And so, excuse my language, but we sit down and celebrate hardened criminals in this country and so everyone else wants to be with them uh, or uh, like them they also want to be celebrated they want sometimes even in the churches uh, where you sit in the church sometimes or mostly depends on how much you're able to give <laughs> and so every, everybody wants to be there when there's funeral in the village when there's harvest any program certain people are called but morally they are bankrupt mm. they are people who should never go near anything decent but because we tend to glorify those things so everyone else wants to be like them and so if after all we are celebrating what is wrong some people know that uh, the means or the root to those perceived greatness is not anything uh, noble but because we celebrate them everybody wants to be there mm. And I think it is uh, very sad for our country. But uh, I also think all is not lost. Because with time, we have people who do uh, their works well. And I always tell people that it's not about how they are. It's not about how people enjoy. It's not about the number of cars they have. But sometimes let's ask ourselves, how do they end up? Hmm. So... You can celebrate them, you can do everything, but with time, it, it, it can never be hidden. In the long run, in the long run, that mm -hmm. which is fine, that which is proper, mm -hmm. will rise to the top. Mm -hmm. 27 minutes past the hour of 
7 o'clock. If you just joined us, this is the wrap-up edition of Leaders Digest. Next week is our Thanksgiving service. Thanking God for a year, 52 weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't find anything to thank God for, then, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you don't know the gift of life. You are very much alive. That alone is a reason to thank God. Next week, as is our custom, the last Sunday of the year, we don't ask for anything. We just thank God. Just, just have a wonderful time doing some wonderful music, messages of exhortation. We open the phone lines for you to thank God for something and somebody and just have a wonderful time. That's our edition for closing edition for the year and then the week after we bring you the new year message. You don't want to miss those next two editions. But my guest for tonight Dr. Isi Ansan and Manasseh Azuri Awuni just helping me walk through the pages of this this collection of ideas that we happen to have um, put together after after 15 weeks of interviewing some top CEOs. And let me go on to the issue of mentoring. Very, very interesting subject. And it came up so strongly because last week my guest for, my, my guest, um, said many people are getting it wrong in trying to get guidance from people. Mm-hmm. They meet you and the first thing they want is your call card. Mm-hmm. And, and they want <laughs> money from you. The, the slightest chance they want to ask you for money. Mm-hmm. And he says, don't ask for money. Ask for the wisdom the person used to build so mm-hmm. that you can also build. Mm. And he says, when you meet a mentor, talk less and listen more. Mm-hmm. Write, down, write down notes. Don't come and show your ignorance we are talking too, mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. aside of what Atu shared, it, it came across that many people are demented by their parents. And that was quite a pleasant discovery for me because... Mm. I mean, Ellen Higgins spoke about it. Frank Oponyegwa said he learned, he learned uh, what do you call it, um, punctuality from his, 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 his father. Um, Lucy Quist learned about engineering from her dad because mm. at age eight he began to teach her geometry and so on. And, and it goes on and on and on. I mean, are you surprised, Isi, about the role of parents in mentoring? <clears throat> no, not at all, because... Um your your first years you spend most of your time with them the, those formative years and um sometimes it might be intentional you have some parents who have their children on a you know a very regimented schedule etc cetera, etc cetera, drilling things into them and other times it's not as intentional but either way you're still going to be influenced by what you see by what you see them do what they encourage you to do and um i think it's really really key and very central you know, when I look at myself, there are certain things that I picked up from my dad. Um, he encouraged critical thinking to the point where when I criticized him and I questioned him, at some point I wrote him a stinker. And he wrote back and said, wow, I'm glad you're thinking for yourself. Yeah. And for me, that was, it just blew me away. But it made me bold enough to question the status quo. And so I totally hear that where we pick, we pick things up, whether they are intentionally placed in our lives or not. You know, by our parents, we pick things up from them, and it's the good and the bad, though. You know, <laughs> not just the good. This weekend, for tonight, I've been talking about our second, uh, our second child, Nana, and her writings. She's mm. writing so strongly, and mm. I mean, way beyond what we did, I- anything that we did. Mm. Uh, even at this stage, I mean, I, 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 can, I can tell you authoritatively <laughs> that her writing mm. compares very favorably with ours. And she's, she has such strong convictions, yes. very, very independent minded. Mm-hmm. And you're just telling yourself, well, I've got one one. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. And she's such an independent thing that you, you won't believe it. But I, I, it's, quite, it's quite interesting to note that a number of them acknowledged that they were mentored by their parents. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for parents listening now, that means that don't take your presence in your child's life for granted. For granted. Manasa, are you surprised? Uh, I'm not once again surprised because I also benefited a lot from my parents. And uh, mine is not about education. Unfortunately, they cannot uh, 
reside beyond the four. Maybe uh, not, not <laughs> Okay, okay, formal education, formal education. Okay, let me put it that way. But when we're growing up, we never had money. Like, uh, we would eat in the morning before going to school, and we closed uh, sometimes two, three, uh, one. Even if we had classes and we had to close at four, we were never given money to go to school from the primary to the GHS, even to the senior high school. But any time you went out on your way to school, you found a coin. My father's children would bring that coin to the house. No matter how hungry you were, mm. you couldn't just get the money and go and buy food or even water. Mm. You had to bring it home. It was like uh, the unwritten code. Even whilst growing up, when I was in the journalism school, anytime I went home and I was coming back to school, if anybody saw me and gave me a pesto, mm. I would go and show it to my father and perhaps after leaving, my father would go and thank him or her that oh, you gave my son this amount. So it is something we have done till date. So growing up, there's no way I can uh, get corrupted by somebody and ever feel um, safe or secure because in those days, sometimes we're really very hungry. But you couldn't get money on the ground, perhaps just a coin, and then go and spend it. And even if you found it on the ground, you came home, you were questioned. How was there nobody there? Did you ask and all of those things? <laughs> so those things, uh, sometimes we unconsciously, we take them in. And as we grow, they define our lives and what we do, even more than what we learn in school. Mm. And uh, I, as a city, I'm not able to watch television because when we're growing up, we didn't have a television on our own. Is that be part of the part of the bad? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do not know. In, in in a way, it is very helpful because it gives me a lot of time to read. But uh, there are times who I appear on programs and uh, I'll be there. Or somebody calls someone and say, "I'm watching on TV," but I'm not able to see myself. So there, there are certain things with appearance uh, we don't uh, consciously learn them, mm. but they guide us and. Uh, even if if you if you forget about whatever you learned in school, those things are still with you, and I think they are the most important elements of human mm-hmm. life because mm-hmm. knowledge or education, formal, is to guide you. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things that really define your being, mm-hmm. and those are the things we pick up from our parents in our formative years. Right. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Just wanted to add, in a lot of those examples, it's not just what the parents said. But it's what they saw. It's so they modeled. What, what they did is it was even more influential mm-hmm. than what they saw. So it's I modeling. Mean, I, Frank upon your boy's kids. It's not that the father told me about functionality. <laughs> the father left him. He, he was supposed to pick him mm-hmm. school. He was late. The father left him. He had to work. That's all. <laughs> he learned the lesson <laughs> the hard way. It is 21 minutes to the, uh, of 8 o'clock. And in 10 minutes, I'm going to open the phone lines. If you listen to this series, just tell me who who spoke to your heart, your heart, and what did they see. I have a few thoughts um, shared on social media about what has really touched you. Priscilla Serakoto says, Atresian says, don't go asking for money from successful people. Ask for their knowledge and wisdom to enable you to follow their path. John Kobner says, a winning idea should be relevant. It should stand the test of time and it must have an economic audience. And he learned that from Ato Asian. Dennis Adam Debo says, consistency. I've always learned, I've learned to always give a hundred percent output no matter the circumstances around me. Samia Sari says, Lucy Quist was phenomenal. Her switch from science to marketing exemplifies the case of being ready when an opportunity arrives. Millicent Boachi says, Atresian was amazing. He said, when you meet successful people, 
or greatness, listen and talk less. Um, let me come back to my guest and let's talk about what you call professional disconnect. So what is it about our schooling system that you go to schools, starting out to be a, a science student like Kukubedoado, and then you move on to become something else, and then you end up in banking. And then uh, uh, Lucy spoke about being an electrical engineer and then doing telecom engineer along the line, doing an MBA along the line, and then becoming a CEO of Airtel. I mean, for for a number of our guests, they set out on a journey with very little career guidance. Patient, patient Sachanu actually specifically mentioned that she went to school, I mean, with very little, I mean, coaching from anyone. I mean, and in a school as good as Wesley Girls, and yet still, I mean, she didn't get the career guidance to be able to see up front what she was good at, her competencies, and what she should be aiming at. You see, you, you are in that field. What, what, what would you say to this idea of lack of career guidance and its impact on our careers? I'd say it used to be very terrible but has improved over the years now when you go to some of the schools you'll find they have career counselors i actually met about 100 of them this week um and did a session on talent development mm, with them great. as part of the expansion of mm-hmm. their scope but mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. fair point yeah so it's it's improved over time it's and i think it's two things that account for for this disconnect one is a lack of career exposure early and enough and then two it's a value of exploration there are times when you are really interested Most in something the word. You know, it's the value of exploration where there are times when you take on an internship, for example, and it tells you what you do not want to do because you thought accounting was great. You got in there and you realized, nah, this doesn't work for me. Then you try something else. And life is flexible. You have to be flexible along with it so that as you explore, you find new things, new areas of interest, etc. What you need to do is to transfer, I call it your transferable set, your skills, your attitude, and then your talent. So if I have a, an interest in something, I just figure out how to map it onto something else that I'm doing. Um, if I'm interested in fashion and I end up doing interior design, um, but I may have started with chemistry, you know, and nothing stops me from going into a new area. It's just the value. And then the last thing I'd say is, I tell people, don't always look at one thing as a career choice. Right. Nothing stops you from doing something as your key nine-to-five career, and then you have something you do as a hobby. You may not do everything at the same time, but different intensities, you face certain things out in life, flexible, explore, I mean, discover yourself. And I think that explains the meandering that they all went through. and again, you, uh, you, you tend me to bring on my own perspectives because I, I, I had a, quite a convoluted journey mm. in the course of my life. But because of that weight of experience um, in my life as a, as a preacher, as an author, and as a speaker, I'm able to bring on board exp- perspectives in economics, in mm-hmm. religion, in, mm-hmm. in, 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 mm-hmm. in geography, in mm-hmm. business, mm-hmm. because I've traveled a bit. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I'm able to bring on a wide scope of perspectives, and it, it, it comes in very handy in my field in particular. But I said, I once heard you share very, I think you must, must have been on this platform, a very interesting journey about how you decided to become a journalist. Because, I mean, one of the things that came, some of our leaders decided to be what they, what they became just because of the way an accountant dressed. <laughs> or, or somebody who looked very good, who was mm. a particular profession, and that was all it took. Mm, mm, how, did, how did you become a, decide to become a journalist? Let's see whether this theory works. <laughs> well, in my case, I wanted to become a bank manager because 
uh, in Kitekrachi, the most successful person then we thought was the Ghana Commercial Bank branch manager. Because he had a car. He had his own private car. That's he always it. dressed in white, uh, <laughs> long sleeves with tie. And so he was the one all of us looked up to. But I went and did business in a way and realized business wasn't my thing. But when you go to the second year, I was the key person in the uh, writers and debaters club. I was writing my own plays, doing a whole lot of things on my own. And then when I completed, I actually applied to the University of Cape Coast for BCom, and I didn't get uh, admission that year. So I was waiting to apply the following year when I met one uh, guy, a uh, man, Ramfridolin Empe. He was the PR of the district education office. And he said, well, Manas, you write so well, why don't you go and do uh, journalism? And that was the first time someone mentioned it to me mm-hmm. and said, oh, you can go to Ghana Institute of Journalism. And I hadn't heard about that school after completing uh, senior high school. Mm-hmm. And so the meeting lasted less than five minutes, mm-hmm. and that's what brought me into journalism. But uh, young enough, before I even went to the senior high school, there was this Reverend Sister Agnes Agbeli. I think she's now at uh, Afram Plains. She said I should go and do uh, general arts. I don't know what she saw in me, but a lot of thought I should go and do science because I emerged as the best student from my district. So there are times even the guidance and counseling will be there, but some of them can uh, mislead you. So I always think, no, I have this saying that no one knows you better than yourself, perhaps mm-hmm. apart from God. So even if the guidance, people see what is in you and they think you can do A, and then growing up, you think you can do B better than A. Nothing stops you from switching. And people who have switched have done very amazing things. And it should be a motivation. Some are so stiff in their choice of careers and uh, what they do in life. But I think we should be flexible enough to be able to switch from one mm-hmm. career to the other if mm-hmm. they need be. And yes, I think it's <coughs> important to also think beyond ability. There are times when you can do something, but you really don't have the interest. So it's the interest, what fuels you, what makes you passionate about it. You know, you're doing it and time flies by, you don't even realize. Something that really creates that energy in you, that's, that's where you focus your energies. So it's not just the ability. This point you make is, is at the heart of all the mistakes that were made when we were in school. Mm. Please, believe mm. me on this, because <laughs> we were made to do what they call special maths and special science. Mm. And if you were good in maths or science, mm-hmm. they would tell you to go to the science class yep. with add additional mathematics. Mm-hmm. And if you said you were not interested, they could call you for a meeting to tell you about how you are missing <laughs> an opportunity because yep. it was such a prestigious mm-hmm. thing to do yeah. science mm-hmm. with maths. Yeah. And on the other hand, those of us who did arts were stigmatized as Absolutely. not being smart enough to do the science. I spent a lot of time telling my friends, the guidance and counseling um, um, facilitators and, and coordinators, that we, we need to do something about this stigmatization of yep. students who do um, um, visual arts, mm-hmm. agric science, and home mm-hmm. economics. Yep. We, made, we make them feel like they are going yes. nowhere. Mm-hmm. But I said to them, if I was back in school right now, it's probably the course I would do visual mm-hmm. arts. And so, what what are we talking about? <laughs> so it, it's something that we need we need to go back to the roots and deal with. Let me go quickly to one of the things that struck me very well asking them how they want to be remembered nobody wanted wanted to be remembered as a rich person Mm -hmm. many of them wanted to be remembered as people who are touched the lives of people Mm -hmm. Manasa, are you surprised or or we weren't looking for angels maybe (laughs) no 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 you were not uh, looking for angels and uh, sometimes uh, that is the only way to go because no matter who you are uh, 
uh, a day will come when you'll be no more and no amount of your wealth can save you mm. and you can't take anything away <laughs> and I have this saying and I'll write about it one day and I'm saying that if I should die nobody should read a tribute at my funeral and there shouldn't be any book of condolence mm. because the real tribute should be written on the hearts of the people attached when I was alive and not what others say about me so I believe that is the best way to be remembered. Mm. Dr. Asa, your, your perspective on that? Um, agree to a point. <laughs> I think, um, of course, it's important to make sure that what will outlive you right. is the memory, the, the, the lives that you touch. And think of a multiplier effect. It continues. Um, and it's also important to immortalize you know, some of the legacies that we encounter. Um, I have a friend who passed away, you know, not about a few months ago. And we're thinking this was such a wonderful person. We don't want the memory of her to die. And so whether it's instituting a prize in her name, whether it's whatever it is to keep that memory alive, because that story is what will inspire other people. Right. Yeah, very important. We'll try and touch base with the issue of turning points because very mm. often the things that turned, the turning point moments in the lives of people were not very big things. It was very ordinary things, but somehow just a little thing. Mm. Manasseh talked about five minutes that changed his life. Mm. I mean, what if he was not listening attentively when that person spoke? Mm. Somebody you meet may just be bringing you something valuable that could change your life if you mm. listen well enough. Mm. And mm. maybe just if I open the phone lines, let me bring you in on this doctor. Many people talked about the f- turning points in their lives, and it was very seemingly insignificant things. For instance, he talks about talks about the fact that his whole economic framework was changed one day driving back to work from lunch mm. when he saw an apprentice hairdresser eating dry bread from a carrier bag for her lunch. Mm. Mm. Surprised? Um, no. Well, <laughs> yes and no. No, because sometimes these little seemingly meaningless things um, have have an effect on people in ways that we don't understand. And, um, you know, sometimes we theorize and talk about big changes in our lives, etc. But it's really when it comes down to not what you've read or what you know of, but something that touches you um, directly. You can be an advocate for, let's say, human rights, gender, whatever. But until the issue touches you perfect, um, directly, personally, the fire with which you push that advocacy, etc., is never the same. So when something may seem small, but it, it has an emotional connection to you, that's where it begins to turn things around. Because you see things, you hear things cognitively, yes, you are aware of things. But when something touches you emotionally, that's where the, the turning point begins. So it's not surprising. Nine minutes to the hour of eight o'clock, you don't always get to have... Isiansa and Manasseh Azumia winning in the studio. So I'm going to open the phone lines at this point. We've listened to different leaders for 15 weeks. We have two leaders in the, in the studios today. If you have a question, but very importantly, I would like a very a very brief contribution on what you've learned throughout the series. 030-221-6541. We've had very wonderful leaders come to the program for the past 15 weeks. What is the one thing that has struck you the most? And just to recap, the report that we have had, Kwesi Anokranbudu was week one, Seth Yeboahokran of York's Investment, we've had George Fusuini of Bond Savings and Loans, Kelly Gajekpo, Ken Ashibbe, Angela Jomnabwaji, Frank Opon Yeboah, who wore the red, sh- red shirt and red trousers for the interview, <laughs> and was fortunate to have somebody tell him, hey, we don't do that here, and he went back, and the next day he came back and got a job. <laughs> Lucy Quest, 
Kweku Vidoado, CEO Stanchat, Ipileng Silili from South Africa, Patience Achenu, MD of Barclays, Ace Ankoma, Ellen Hagan, Joel Netty, and Atuisian. These have been our guests for the past 15 mm. weeks. What have you learned from them? And what is it that you can say you are picking as a key lesson? Because really, you see, if after all these interviews, if people have learned nothing, <laughs> then it is yeah. not worth the while. And just by the way, you can get all these interviews on um, soundcloud.com forward slash legacy dash legacy, not underscore legacy dash legacy. Just go, in fact, write down the names of any of the speakers on SoundCloud and search, and you will easily find the the the, the posting there. Just listen, digital clear sound, and you will enjoy it. Hello, good evening. Yes, hello, sir. Your name, please. Yeah, my name is Usman Eya Ibrahim Pakima. Usman, have you been listening into the series? No, it's Hello, Usman. Yes, sir. Hello. Did you did you get the opportunity to listen to any of the of the of uh, the broadcasts? No, sir. Today's I was just saying that today's my first day, and I so love the program because it's so like you know motivates uh, with the young ones that are just coming up. All right, Usman. So. Based on the wrap-up, what one lesson are you carrying away? One one brief lesson you are carrying away. Okay, one thing that touched me all is that a man was talking about, um, he, he was once uh, before, let's say, somebody told him about journalism. He never heard of journalism, just five minutes conversation, and then he loved to become a journalist. And after all, he's not a successful uh, journalist. Am I right? That's correct, and he's won the yes. journalist of the year uh, mm. to boot. So that tells you that you can become successful just by interacting <laughs> with someone. Journalist of minutes. the year, just just that listen that that man listen just that day, sir. Maybe five minutes of springboard could also set you up for a, a big future. <laughs> oh, Osman, thank you for for joining us. Yeah, yes, sir. thank you. Thank Osman, you. And I really love the program. Thank you. Thank Keep you so much. Up, All right. The number to call 030-221-6541. Maybe five minutes on this show with Osman could help him also become what he wants to be. Mm. Call into the show. Let's find out if you've also learned something from any of our guests in the past 15 weeks. 030-221-6541. If you missed them, Osman, go to soundcloud.com forward slash legacy dash legacy and listen to the various editions. Hello, good evening. Yeah, good evening. Your name, where are you calling from, please? My name is Derry. I'm calling from Accra. Derry, tell me, have you listened to any of the shows? Yes, I have, but I just want to uh, comment on what I heard from my brother, Amanasi. Okay. Uh, he's, he's actually a source of inspiration. I also come from the same part of the country where he comes from. And his spirit has been very inspiring. And anywhere I went, uh, recently, people kept on asking me questions as to if we have one or two people like Manasi, who is bold, irrespective of whether the person is from your area, and that's wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter. The father expose has been a source of inspiration to me. Thank you very much. So you are, you are talking about the lesson on parental mentoring. All right, zero two zero two one six five four one. Call into the show. Let's find out. I'm having a challenge in my lines. Let me try once again. Zero two zero two two one six five four one. Okay, maybe we'll try again next week to get a few more perspectives. But let's let me come back into the studio. Let me wrap up with my guests on the show. Um, you see, the God factor, the issue of faith. I had a number of hard-end corporate CEOs openly express their faith and say, "Hey, that's what I believe. That is what has undergirded my life, and I'm not ashamed of my faith." Mm. Are you surprised? It seems to be a new cadre of CEOs who are very open about their mm. their their faith and very very happy to freely share it. I'm I'm not a, I'm not surprised. If I were in a place like the US, I would be. 
right. and where you have to be politically correct and there's a separation of church and everything else, state, etc. Right. business. It's, it's faith church. If you, so, if you believe something, you believe it. What's wrong with it? Well, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I see a lot of people who it's the faith that has brought them, right. you know, this far. Right. And so you can't take the, the God factor out when they look at their own lives. And um, the boldness, perhaps what's different is the, the boldness to actually talk about it and say, yes, this is who I am. This is what defines me. As opposed to, yes, I'm a Christian, by God's grace, by God's grace, and then sweep faith, you know, under the rug. And that's what may be different this time. Melissa, could that serve as a check on people and uh, uh, preventing them from going the wrong way hmm. when they, they boldly express their faith well I think the real check should come from within because right. uh, you can express it and most yeah. of the time totally what you do way. people are not there to even look at you mm. but mm. with the faith thing I think people should not be afraid or I went and spoke somewhere at the University of Ghana uh, masters students and when I finished, they asked me what has brought you that far and all of it. So I, I actually ended with the God factor. And my last word was Amen. And they clapped and the professor drew close to me and then said, well, that's a very brilliant uh, submission, but you marred it with the Amen. God thing because this is an intellectual uh, mm. discussion. So I'm very free with him. So I also said, oh, any intellectual who does not know God is not a real intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> and then we laugh, but I was really serious because right. I believe no matter how talented I am or someone is, you still need life to be able to make it. And for some of us, where we are coming from, uh, no matter how high I rise, if I take the God factor out, mm. I have no story. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that we are, we are able to accept somebody saying that Rotary Club has, has helped them, and yet you cannot accept that somebody says God has helped them. Yeah. It's just an amazing thing. Let me give you one minute to wrap up. One minute each to wrap up on, on the show so that we can bring down the curtain on this wrap up edition of Springboard, the Virtual University, or the Leaders Digest. Mm. Let me start with you, Manasseh. Well, I would want to go back to the same, uh, the most important. Uh, issue that is integrity in life uh, people had will have so many issues and uh, so many perceptions and, op- and opinions about you but the most important thing is how clean your conscience is if the whole world thinks you are you are right and then within you, you know you are wrong then that is not integrity but even if, if the whole world thinks you are bad you are the worst and within you and between you and your God you know you are on the right path, you are doing what is right and acceptable, then that should be what you should uh, take pride in because you have to go to bed and sleep soundly without uh, having any kind of weight or pressure. Right. Mm-hmm. Doctor, take us home. Um, I'd say craft your values, know what you stand for and be consistent. I think consistency is so, so important. That's what Guarantees, solidifies, concretizes your integrity. Craft your values, know what is important, and then what do them or solidify them. Solidify them. <laughs> it solidifies your integrity. Oh, you it's good. It was liquid, liquid and solid. If you are soaking <laughs> solid, it's wrong with you. <laughs> 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 Thank you very much, Manasseh Azaria Winnie and Dr. Isia, for making time to be with us here on the, on the wrap up edition of Leaders Digest.
um, next week we bring you our Thanksgiving edition to wind down what has been a, a, a very wonderful year for us here on Springboard, the Virtual University. And I'm going to bring in the full squad of the, 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 the board to, to, to share with you their own perspectives on how the year has gone. So we come away again next week. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 Zero, zero, zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. No more searching. No more searching.